Welcome back to the Lauren Valor Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Watson, and I am joined today by Josh Hayes, uh, Air Force veteran, retired law enforcement officer, and author of science fiction and fantasy for, amongst others, Chris Kennedy Publishing, Atheon, and Bain. Thanks for joining us, Josh. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And also Sean Patrick Hazlitt, a veteran of the United States Army and the 11th Armored Cavalry Black Horse. Uh, his job in the army was to torture individuals like me who showed up at the national training center, uh, by being an effective opposing force. Uh, he's also a veteran of the financial world, uh, at a very high level and the author of more than 50 short stories, uh, from publishers ranging from Bain to galaxy's edge to vice media, uh, amongst many others. Thank you for joining us, Sean. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, uh, pleasure, pleasure to have you here, and I'm glad, uh, glad we can do this exchange thing because I got to uh, go on Sean's uh, channel through a glass darkly, which I highly recommend, and talk about the Ukraine war and the employment of artillery and rockets there, which was a lot of fun. Um, and I haven't gotten to talk shop as an artilleryman for a while, so thank you for that opportunity. Well, and there's also another episode that's going to come up talking about your writing career. And by the way, did you check out the Simple Sabotage Manual yet? I, I did not yet. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. I will. There's another, there's will. another Easter egg for your, your, for your, if you ever want to sabotage a corporate meeting, the OSS has a, uh, <laughs> yeah, has an answer for you. Yeah. Yeah. Th th there's a lot of knowledge to be had uh, from our forebears who fought the greatest conflagration in human history. So uh, Josh and Sean have joined me tonight uh, because we, I wanted a crew to go over uh, the really super interesting Netflix anthology series, Love, Death, and Robots. Um, there's not a lot like Love, Death, and Robots on TV. And the closest thing I can think of is the old heavy metal uh, animated movies from the 80s and 90s, if you guys remember those. So we're going to go through, we'll probably get through about half the season today just to try to keep this you know, somewhat brief. But uh, I know we're, we're going down the list uh, episode by episode, and we'll talk about uh, the impressions we took for them from them, how we feel about the writing of them, and obviously the art style and everything else is fair game. Um, but we start out with exit strategies. And I want to be clear that uh, Josh and I know who wrote most of these. Uh, Sean is blind intentionally. He did not look up who wrote the short stories that these uh, these sci-fi shorts or sci-fi fantasy and horror shorts are based on. So if he says something that hurts feelings because this is one of your favorite authors. He doesn't know who it is. He's just giving you his honest impression. So, and uh, Sean told me before the show, he's really eager to talk about exit strategies, which premise of exit strategies is three robot tourists examining the post post apocalyptic remains of human civilization on earth. So Sean, take it away. So, when I watched the first episode, do you ever have that feeling when you watch something or you experience something where you just want to go outside and just pop a random stranger in the fucking mouth? <laughs> in the Dolphins. mouth? <laughs> yeah, I said five that one out. Sean, Jesus. <laughs> well, we, we should have started with a different. We should have, we should have started with a different one. I I I I, I sort of stopped myself, but I. Like, I'm leaving it in. I'm leaving it in. Keep going. We're doing this live. Not really, but go okay. ahead. Okay, like, like it's just like first of all, there's the personality of the robots, right? They're just like these snarky little pissant pieces of like uselessness 
that clearly like never lived in a like a world or a civilization or a place where you actually had to deal with people and had to it's just like everything's snarky everything is just like eh, eh, eh. it's just like mm-hmm. i just wanted to like grab one by the throat throw them up against the effing wall and just like beat them until they were nothing but transistors and capacitors and resistors and ductors and whatever circuit element is your favorite maybe diodes I, I and then i wanted to take them like outside and like re re like re re re-envision the scene from office space where you I have just gonna mention, i was just gonna talk about the like printer beating just Beating and beating and beating Someday until I just nothing left. This piece of shit. <laughs> and, and I want, and I want like letter. Cube playing in the background at full blast, where I'm just polarizing these robots. It's just like everything was just so predictable. It's like, oh, libertarians in the ocean. We know it's a dumb idea. Just say it's a dumb idea. Don't be like a little snarky, like around the stab in the back, like nonsense. Like I can't. I could not handle, I get so angry at this thing. Like, yes, it's a bad idea. Just like everything had to be about like, oh, it's, uh, it's just like, anyway. I, 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 Sean, person, we start like, talking. Who, whoever wrote this, whoever wrote this, like obviously never, had never been in a fight because if they had, they wouldn't talk that way because you get popped in the mouth. Right, um, like if I if I talk that way in the neighborhood, I get popped in the mouth, and I would deserve it. <laughs> anyway, so, so that's that's my started, initial impression. <laughs> so you started talking about tri- transistors or maybe diodes are your favorite part. I started to get to very Dennis Leary vibe there. You know, we well, feel I'm Irish. Cockles, I'm Irish. I can't help it. Maybe the sub sub cockles. Maybe even in the liver. Maybe in the kidneys. We just don't know. <laughs> um, so that was a strong opening. Uh, I agree with you that the dialogue is, um, I tend to think of it, he did not write this so I can reference him. It's like the worst highlights of Joss Whedon-esque, so much snarkier yes! and quippier than normal people talk. Uh, and yes. I like a good quip and I like some good snark, but when you overdo it, it gets very smarmy. Josh, what, what, how are you feeling after this first episode? We know, cause you've seen the whole show, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I should say exit strategies is a continuation of a season one episode with the robots where right. they did this before. And there's a few running jokes. That yeah. All over. I thought, I thought the first one was a little bit more down to earth, uh, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. Um, and you're right. The snark really was kind of, over the top in this episode um i did think the second time i watched it i realized that the author was kind of making fun of both political camps if you want to call it political camps because he was making fun of basically rednecks in the first where he met the the cowboy survival place and then later on he made fun of all the uppity elitists that wanted to be on the ocean the big but they, tech billionaires yeah. right and I didn't catch that the first time. And mm-hmm. oh um, no, but he wasn't though. Like he was making fun of libertarians because the like the big tech, the big tech um, billionaires that want to like had that cockamamie right. desire to to live outside of you know a nation state on like in the ocean. Yeah, is definitely like a libertarian. Like it's like the subset of libertarians in Silicon Valley, and it's cockamamie idea because you know you have anything in a salty like sea environment, it's just it's going to corrode. It's oh sure, idea. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 
and and like that part's accurate like it, that it's a dumb idea is accurate like it's yeah. not but just the way it was done like he's definitely not making fun of both both like whoever wrote this is not making fun of both it's it's clearly directed at one side like there's gotcha. no doubt no doubt in my mind yeah <laughs> yeah well i'm glad you disagree on that because that makes for a more interesting episode <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, well, I'm uh, like near Silicon Valley, right? I'm like, I, and I know some. Yeah, I, and I was about to say you right. maybe have more insight into that than we do. Uh, yeah, I'm Texas, and Josh, I think you're somewhere in flyover country with me. <sighs> yes. Um, so I I, I, I don't know about them. They're coastal elites, there, Sean. Um, you you would have better insight than I would. Um, I but to be fair, I I Sean, I kind of took it your way too. Um, that maybe I think maybe there was an attempt at even-handedness that when you see this futuristic sea going community, I tend to think of big tech billionaires who maybe sway a little bit left. Yeah. But I feel like maybe he's trying to get credit for even handedness without actually being even handed. He just didn't um, do it well enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perhaps is, is one way to read it. Uh, well, but Josh, and, and, and to be like, to be a hundred percent accurate, right. There are libertarians who sway both left and right. Sure. It's just the, given the portrayal of the, 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 the Texans in the very beginning and given, given how um, high-minded it was, I'm being sarcastic, sarcastic, right. snarky, yeah. had to be snarky on this. Right. One. Um, <laughs> I very much doubt that there, that nuance was in any way, shape or form kind of floated into the, the mind of that writer. <laughs> I did like the, uh, the little, the gag, the only gag that I really enjoyed was the, uh, the minds blowing up and, and the, the robot was like, oh, and I'm sure they're going to be fine. They're, they're old. They're not going to blow up. And as soon as he says it, the mind blows up and kills the bird. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll go for that gag. <laughs> Anything yeah, else was, about the... No, I just wanted to fight somebody after it was over because it was just like <laughs> I, I didn't like I, I didn't like it wasn't that it wasn't that what they were poking fun of it was it was just that like the way that they did it like this condescending snarky like how could anybody possibly think that there's another side to anything yeah. and it's just like it, it's it's lazy and it's stupid like there are two sides to every debate and there are good points on either side. And if you are that lazy that you can't present the other side in a very intelligible true. way, like, um, yeah. you set but up anyway, straw the, man, you set up straw man rather than addressing the best version yeah. of right. your opponent's right. argument. Yeah. And it, right. it, it is lazy. Um, but Josh, I feel like we kind of cut you off a little bit. Do you have anything else? About oh, no, that was it. No, okay. I, I mean, uh, it's interesting that, uh, um, there's only a couple of episodes in this whole collection that didn't want me didn't make me want to bash my face in the keyboard because they were so depressing like <laughs> I, even though like they were talking about the end of the world right and they were looking at there's no humans alive and everybody's dead i still felt like i was like that ah, it's kind of funny like it's interesting it makes me kind of happy at the end um and then all the rest of them i just want to like stab myself in the throat and go like oh it's so horrible um, I, uh when we get to our next episode i'm going to disagree i think the next one uh although it's very dark uh, I think it's still a heroic tale. Um, I would that is argue. true. That is true. Um, but yeah, uh, Sean, you want to punch someone in the face over this one. Josh, you kind of enjoyed it because it was a more lighthearted take in the midst of what is a very dark anthology. I acknowledge yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I, I will give 
20 seconds for Sean Durant a little more. If you have anything else you want to say about it, go ahead. You're on the clock. No, I just like, <laughs> I, I didn't find it funny at all. Like I, and, and yeah. not because it offended, like I'm happy to be offended. Right. But like, yeah, if you're going to offend me, be funny about it. Yeah. Don't be snarky and condescending and make me want to pop you in the mouth. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, I do not want to make this into the arcane show because I'm already doing one of those. But when I compare something as um, as overt as the exit strategies episode with arcane, which I think uh, still has kind of a left leaning worldview, but is written very well with fully fleshed out characters and does not feel like it is attacking straw men who don't really exist yeah it does get a little frustrating when people don't don't put in the effort to be you can still have an opinion you can have an opinion that has no resemblance to mine as long as you put in the effort uh are honest and don't forget to entertain me um right i you know i love trek from the original series through some of voyager but definitely through deep space nine yeah and that show was always progressive Right. Uh, and I'm I love Deep Space Nine. Like Deep Space that's Nine my, is that's my, one of my favorites. Yeah, same. Deep Space Nine has a an argument for best science fiction on the small screen ever. Uh I tend to prefer Babylon 5, despite how campy and cheesy Ooh, the effects yeah. are. But I, I dearly love Babylon 5. Anyway, yeah. digressing. We're not talking about I, I like that as well. I like that as yeah. well. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we should get together and talk that's about that's a whole lecture. other show because I can yeah. go forever on B5. Yeah, we, we can do a retro panel on a good old classic uh, uh, TV sci-fi someday. But uh, returning to Love, Death, and Robots, getting into the next episode. Oh, wait, uh, Sean, do you want to know who wrote this episode now that you've got your rant off your chest? Why don't why don't we wait until the very end so that people watch all the way through to... Cool. Well, I, I need to not have a reaction. That's, 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 that's <laughs> well, it's still not fresh, but... But yeah, just so that yeah, yeah. Let 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 the audience know at the very end that way. Okay, fine. Fine. Uh so the second episode, Bad Traveling, uh, which is about this um it's reminiscent of an old whaling vessel, it feels like to me. Uh the animation style's a little more stylized. Um, the people are a little more exaggerated, but still uh not anything surreal or abstract, just uh this def- definitely has a a aesthetic they're going for uh and you have a survival situation on the ship uh looks like they're in the middle of a storm and they get attacked by a monstrous crab um which sounds dumb as shit but is actually super cool <laughs> like i mean i'm right. saying this out loud and i'm like i'm not selling this episode very well yeah Y'all, it was amazing right uh, and super gruesome so again the, like josh pointed this out earlier these Almost none of these episodes are for the faint of heart. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, and even if it is, like you mentioned, this one is kind of a heroic tale. It's still pretty difficult to watch sometimes. Yeah. So we're following the captain of this vessel uh, as he deals with the monster and mutinous crew. And I, I adored this one. So I let Sean lead off last time. Josh, talk to me about this episode. How, oh, how did sweet. you feel watching this one? I really did. I like this episode. Um, and not because I'm friends with the writer, but because I love the director, David. I've watched everything that David Fincher has ever done, and I absolutely love his style. Oh, of is, directing. It, is this the is this the David Fincher seven? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No. And yeah, so that I, David Fincher. Yeah. I, yeah. That. So I went into it knowing I was probably going to like it. So I was maybe kind of biased going into it. Um, but the the subtle um, characterization of all the characters um, that everybody felt, even though they were only on screen, some of them for very brief moments it, it felt like everybody got a really good uh painted picture of who they were and it, it happened so fast that it was i don't know i thought it was very good writing um and very good presentation of the characters um i know we're going to talk about it a little bit but when they he does the the papers and they yeah. they vote um when he comes back later and was like everybody you know uh, I don't know if we're going to talk. By the spoilers way, spoilers. Uh, yeah. yeah, spoilers are clear. That's we're we're talking about yeah. episodes what? that are 10 to 20 minutes. Spoilers are clear. The right. We're cleared hot. So when when he comes back with the he you know, he makes the kind of the joke about the paper saying, I know who wrote what. Mm -hmm. And now everybody's playing these mind games about what, what, what. And then at the end, when he says everybody made the wrong decision. And so then he made the decision that I'm just going <laughs> to kill everybody i'm like that was such a great reveal on how they presented that whole thing i i absolutely loved it so i love this episode i know you guys did too but that the artwork was fantastic it was a, the when the little things came out and he started smashing the dude's skull so the babies could eat i was like oh, oh yeah oh so my gnarly. god yeah yeah so gnarly uh sean you go ahead so I also love this episode. It was either my favorite or second favorite episode of the series. And it it felt very Lovecraftian to me. Uh, there's actually a, a story that was in a, I think, the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. And I want to say it's by Ian Tregellis or something like that, that was similar to this where, you know, there's a different kind of Lovecraftian beastie in it, but it reminded me a little bit of that. The other thing too, is the, the main protagonist looks like HP Lovecraft. So what I really liked about this though, is this like the way that he managed this mutinous crew is he basically put out like every step, every step they took, just dangle the noose. And then you just waited for them with their heads in the news. And it's like, well, it's your fault. You put your head in the news. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I mean, it's a little twisted that I like that aspect of it, but it, it's almost like they could retitle this, you know, five strategies for succeeding in corporate America. And it would have been just as good. Nice. So I, uh, what I loved about it is watching through the first time. Uh, I don't know if you guys experienced this too. You're not sure about the captain's motivations right. at first because he seems to be trying to pawn off danger on the crew. Maybe he's trying to pawn like when he does the we open up. Well, we open up with the the crab's initial attack, but then when they're trying to deal with it, you know, he's like, "Oh, this is the only fair way. We're going to draw straws." Yeah. Uh, and then you're not sure if he's in the right. Uh, and then he, you know, the big guy who dies very quickly, you know, uses the straw drawing to say, okay, now this was the select me as captain. So I say, throw him in. With right. The crab. Right. Uh, 
and then we get the gnarly scene where they've got the the crab has the body, the mangled torso. Oh yeah, I like that. One of the humans is using it as a sock puppet to talk to him. So gnarly. Um, and like like throughout the whole thing, you know, every trick he's playing on the crew to survive, it feels very Machiavellian. It feels very cold blooded. But at the end, he is the one who's trying yeah. to protect innocence. You know that like I really love that character of. You know, going back to Deep Space Nine, uh, Elam Garrick, the character yes. Garrick from Deep Space yeah. Nine. Like, I always love those characters who have a code and are arguably trying for benevolent ends, but push the limit real hard. It's like the uh, ultimate ends justify the means type of yeah. argument. Mm hmm. Because and, you're and dealing like, with them. It's like a grim, dark character, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like it it, it borders because I feel like grim, dark, depending on how you define it, maybe the characters compromised more in grim, dark very often. Like I think of like uh, Game of Thrones uh, before it objectively went to shit uh, on TV, because I feel like yeah. whether you like grim, dark or not, there are problems with the later seasons. Yeah. But there is still this problem with game of thrones that anybody who seems like they're moral is automatically stupid um like you know like ned stark to a certain extent and rob stark definitely yeah um you know just they're like oh these people are moral and they're dumb right and it's like there are people who are both moral and not cognitively challenged you're walking like into that. a trap i know it's a trap but i must go i'm like come yeah. on or like the Red Wedding. Like I, I kind of appreciate the Red Wedding in a little sense because I do like the subversion of, oh, well, the prince married the scullery maid. It's like in real medieval Europe, if the prince marries a scullery maid, it fractures an alliance and you end up with a war. Yeah. Yeah. That like the, the, no, the, the trade off of being nobility and not having to live like a barely above an animal human in that period for most people is that a lot of your life was dictated, including who you married. Right. Um, which is why courtly love uh, from that period and going even up into the Edwardian and Victoria Victorian eras, courtly love as they thought about it was not between man and wife. It was the unfulfilled love of someone they actually had romantic feelings for because most of the marriages were arranged. Uh, again, little, little digression on the red wedding aside. I, I can appreciate. Grim By the way, I love, I, I love the red wedding. Like I remember yeah. like reading the book and mm -hmm. me too seeing that happen and i'm like oh my god i'm like this is amazing <laughs> like this yeah. is great. i, I had i had so read the books and and then watched the show and i had my wife did not watch the show with me she didn't watch the show until like season six and then we had to start over and watch it all the way through <laughs> and the episode before the red wedding it might even have been that episode she turns to me she goes i really love rob he's my favorite <laughs> character and i I knew what was coming. I said nothing. I just sat there. Yeah. And then it happened. And he looked smack at you in the face because good people die too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to us, I liked it to a certain extent, but at a certain point, Game of Thrones crossed over for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, but now I don't care about any of these people. Yeah, it's realistic, but I, I could go ahead. I could start quoting the J.R.R. Tolkien versus George Martin rap battle. Um, if you guys haven't seen that, remind me to send you the link because that thing's amazing. Nice. Um, but this character to me stays right in that pocket for me that like he doesn't lose his center um, and he's still 
a very uh, capable survivor and he's not a fool. Well, and he definitely, he didn't, but he still retains his fool. He didn't have like any brawn. Like he had to definitely use his brains and his wits to get out of multiple situations. And he had to do it quickly and under duress and under stress. And those type of characters, when they come up on top, it's like, he did good on multiple fronts and it's fun to see characters that are smart like that. Yeah. But it was also ruthless. And let's let, let's let like 100%. Yeah. 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 And, and like you, you pointed out the twist earlier, Josh, I thought that was so effective. Uh, you know, when he does the vote and he says, I've marked it. So I know, I know who the traitors are and he gives everyone an at, like you give everyone that out of like, Oh, he doesn't realize I was one of the ones who voted. He must've missed me. Yeah. Uh, right. And, and then at the very end, when he turns it on him, you all marked X. Yeah. Cowards. Yeah, he gave <laughs> like, him a chance, right? Yeah. Again, he he put he, another opportunity where he gave them the news. Like mm-hmm. to say, no, like I, I can like no, you should sacrifice me because these these two people are probably innocent because I'm one of the people who voted. Not a single person did that. Mm-hmm. Right? right. They let other people die thinking that, oh, I got away with it. He he yeah. thought they were the wrong person. Right. So yeah. it just made it easier for him to uh, push the responsibility for their deaths on them, yeah. right? Well, and one terrible people. So, uh, one final note on my part is uh, when I rewatched it, this wasn't something that really hit me because I was absorbed in the story more. But I paid more attention to the actual fight choreography in the animation when they come for him at night and he has to use the axe in his pistol. Yeah, it's actually a really great action sequence. In great its own fight scene. Too. Yes. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's the least important thing about the episode. It could have been just a placeholder, but when you actually watch it, it's very artful that you feel the impacts, you feel the shots. He's a little handy with the steel. He gets maybe an, a statistically unlikely number of headshots, but yes, I guess they're at close range. We'll let it slide. When he shot the guy, when they were wrestling, I thought that was great because he yeah. did it point blank, it, like underneath. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's really good. Yeah. In turn, ter- ter- like who, I don't want to know who, who wrote it yet, but were all these stories written specifically for the series or were they, did they appear elsewhere? Not so an insight, spe- an insight specifically to bad traveling and into uh, uh, another one later on, we'll get to probably next episode. Uh, but this was actually written like 20 years ago, this, this specific story. And it was, it was sold a long, long time ago and then projects fell through and it never got made. And then it kind of shifted hands, but yeah, it's been floating around. Bad traveling has been floating around for a really long time. Okay, yeah, because it's excellent. Like the story, even you take 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 your yourself away from the kind of the cartoon elements and you know not elements, but the it's just it's a really solid story in yeah. terms of yeah. craft. Agreed. Agreed. That's why it comes out on top of me. Is in addition to just having a lot of cool elements, is I think it has the best uh, character arc and the best beginning, middle, and end of anything in this, in this series so far. Um, so that's bad traveling. Um, and that's, that's took up probably what's going to be the bulk of this episode because we, we all love that one pretty much. But then we're on to next is I think it's the pulse of the machine, right? The very pulse of the machine. Yeah. The very pulse of the machine. Uh, this is a psychedelic trip that seems <laughs> heavily inspired by Hunter S. Thompson and 2001 A Space Odyssey mm-hmm. uh, is the only way, I, is the best way I can summarize this one. I'll, I'll save my opinions to the end. 
Uh, Sean, you get to lead off since we're alternating. What? How did you feel about the very pulse of the machine? So it's the Austin Chernobyl, the the HBO series. I have yes. Yeah. So what's the what's what's on the meter? Like not great, not terrible, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That that that's that's kind of where I would put this one. Like okay. it was very mystical, kind of psychedelic, like you said, Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but again, the story is this woman's dragging another woman across this light psychedelic landscape for thirty minutes or however long the episode is. And, you know, finds out that she can save her consciousness by, I think, again, spoiler alert, by kind of throwing herself into whatever the, the matrix is and, and dying <laughs> on this weird planet. Um, so it was okay. I didn't have strong, a strong reaction positively or negatively. I don't, I don't think there was, a, I don't think it was a strong story, but it wasn't a weak story. It kind of started out with a theme of self-sacrifice and then um, ended with the theme of transformation. But yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of in your, in your camp as well. I, I didn't absolutely hate it, but sometimes like with a lot of these, well, not with bad traveling, but with a lot of the other ones that followed, there was always some kind of like intellectual, something that happens and it's not just a straightforward story and i think this one would have been really good just as a straightforward survival story like let her have the uh you know running out of auction and she's got to fix her suit she's got to do all this and to get back to you know orbit or wherever she's going and that would have been a really compelling journey to see her make that even if she's having this the the hallucinations even if the drugs kind of affected her in a different way i think i think if you shoot you would have just been had a more concrete ending than this etheric kind of jumble of like you said space odyssey 2001 where you're like what the hell just happened and why is a baby floating in space i don't i don't understand what just happened for 20 minutes he wasn't Uh, sure what he would do with the newfound power but he was sure he would think of something Uh, if you've never read the arthur c clark that's that's uh, a pretty cool little resonance he sets up yeah with the chapter with the monkeys that one of the most famous scene uh when the the bone goes up in the air the line in the the, i think it's just a novella not even a full novel is you know the, the monkey wasn't sure what he'd do with the newfound power but he was sure he would think of something and then you go to the space age and then it ends with Dave Bowman. Oh, nice. It, when Dave Bowman super evolves into whatever is next for humanity at the end of 2001, right. he wasn't sure what he would do with the newfound power, but he was sure he'd think of something. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah okay. it's, I've it's never read the cool. book. So that's, that's a good, yeah, yeah. I like that. I, I might, I'm paraphrasing the quote might not be exactly that, but I do remember those from the book. So big Arthur C. Clarke fans. If you remember that differently, please feel free to correct me in the comments below. Um, but yeah, so this one, when I first watched it and I'm not going to strongly disagree with either of you on this one. I think you're both pretty fair in your judgment. The first time I watched it, it really slid off me, um, for much of the same reasons you're talking about watching it a second time. It didn't hugely elevate it, but I could appreciate more, uh, the idea of IO as this synthetic life like semi-sentient 
artificial yeah. intelligence yeah. uh, that is able to communicate. It's a theme from Bad Traveling. They're using a human corpse's brain to right. communicate with humans. This one for seemingly more benevolent ends, maybe. Yeah. Um, because it we seem like up, that. Yeah. Because they play with the idea. So she's on the drugs. And like you said, Josh, could have worked very well as a survival tale where she's also hallucinating and having to yeah. survive both the hallucinations and, you know, trekking across the volcanic surface of Io with its sulfur dioxide atmosphere. Right. Um, pretty tough task in and of itself. Um, but the way they played the narcotics, it creates doubt as to whether, you know, what she's seeing is real or not. Right. Um, and then, but we end with a POV shot from an approaching spacecraft and her hailing presumably as one with the planet io so i think my biggest problem with this at this point is not so much that it's weak it's that it's it's not an encapsulated story in any real sense of the word mm. because what's interesting is well what are the implications of this who created io why is it there i'm not saying it's invalid to leave that mysterious right i don't prefer it yeah, is is where I'm at, and we're gonna get into that. Uh, probably not this recording, but when we get to uh, another episode, I think there's another episode that suffers from that as well. Of the this was a good start. What else? You know, yeah. which is. I think the author also was just trying to to be cute and subvert the trope of Deus Ex Machina. You mm. kind of just reverse it. So I don't know what the Latin is for. Um, uh, you know, a machine from, you know, machine saves you from God. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of what this episode was. And, uh, Sean, that's a great point. Cause I, that's a thought I had when she's on the cliff, you know, and it's like death or it, I'll either live forever or die. And I'm like, I was thinking like, this is a very, and there's not, not that there's anything wrong with telling these kind of stories, but it's a very atheistic worldview. Cause as someone with a religion who believes in an afterlife, I would not have made her choice. Right. You know, I, I would have like, no, no, no. I think I'm going to die what I am because I'm aware of what I am. And I know what I believe about um, the afterlife. I don't think I'm going to risk entrusting my persona to weird alien machine. I just met on a bad acid trip. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a great uh, one. Sean. Uh, one thought that I just had was that one thing I like, I love about short stories is the ability to do ambiguity, ambiguity, uh, ambi ambiguity, ambiguity. I like I'm ambiguity. I'm, I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. It's like not a, I'm, only different. Yeah. I'm yeah. a writer, not a talker. Um, I, so I love being able to do that in short stories, but it seems like they took it like to another level instead of like, they could have done that. Um, but brought it down just a bit. Like if you didn't have, the the entire psychedelic experience of we don't know whether or not she's actually having a psychedelic event or this is real and then if it was real have the transference that would have been cool like because when we know it's real but they kind of took the ambiguity and then the uh psychedelic experience of all of that and mashed it all together and i was just like i don't know what the hell is going on and i want to like it but i don't have enough I don't have enough to like it, actually. I don't know. I mean, it definitely makes you think, right? It, it yeah. makes you question, like, what is consciousness, right? Are we, 
you know, are all our ideas in our head or do our ideas come from something else? Is the, you know, is the mind an antenna or a transducer of some sort, right? Or, um, you know, where are those ideas coming from? Are you pulling them? Are they coming from you? Are they coming from something else? Right. Uh, what happens when you die? What happens when you die if you transfer your, you know, are you really transferring your consciousness or are you just transferring the data that's in your mind? So it raises a bunch of really intriguing and existential questions. It just, you know, didn't do it in a way that was not confusing. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and, and confusing in a suboptimal way. Uh, right. You know, stories can have a little bit of confusion, but you should know that you're supposed to be confused, not be questioning what the hell the author's getting at. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I'd give that one like a C plus B minus maybe cause I didn't hate it, but I didn't, you know, didn't love it. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we're, we're at 36 minutes, but I think we can cover this next one pretty quickly. It's night of the miniature or mini dead, Josh, mini, the mini dead night of the mini dead night of the mini dead. Um, it's, I think it's prime virtue is that it's only seven minutes long. Right. <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually, this was one of the ones that I, I liked, but only because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> um, and uh, I, like every, like it's sped up so everybody's like bzz, 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 and you can't really hear what's going on and at the end you hear that ah, fuck it and then they they light off the the nukes and I'm like <laughs> it, you know I knew what it I knew it was going to be ridiculous when the too many people get out and they start banging in the graveyard <laughs> And he knocks, he's on top of the thing and he's like junking back and forth and he knocks the statue over and then the, the cross turns upside down and the lightning comes down and smokes him. I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. It had no story value whatsoever, but it was super fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was Team America for Claymation. Is without, the, without the music, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was worth a chuckle. Um, I do think uh, I don't mind it being there. I, I did laugh while I was watching it. I'm not going to lie, but I do think it would have it would have quickly worn out its welcome if it were. Oh if, yeah, if it were any longer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're we're at 37 minutes. So uh, any closing thoughts before I, I close this out? I think we can all agree. Probably at this point, we're about halfway through the season, and bad traveling is the clear leader so far yeah. what we've been talking about yeah i agree yeah i mean uh there was only one episode of the whole thing that i absolutely hated and we haven't talked about that one yet so okay, so cool. far yeah i hope it's one that sean or i love so we can get some good, <laughs> yeah we could debate about in it. there get into the arena yeah uh sean anything before we uh wrap up uh yeah just um the first episode i you know just don't watch it like near like in a city or where there's people that you could easily like <laughs> outside and, and like, you know, unleash, or if you love unleash your... box, Sean. Uh, yeah. He's oh yeah. 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 I don't care how big you are. I, I just, I just, need, to, I just need to wail on something after watching that thing. And the, the second, the second one, uh, I really like, I, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. I think well-executed story arc as Justin pointed out. And, you know, very, very Lovecraftian. It had a good beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. And then the, the last one was like a fun, fun little diversion. There wasn't much story in there, but 
it, it was kind of Team America without the politics and the yeah. music. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so we'll we'll outro now. So Josh, what is going on in your writing life? Uh, what's out now that people can grab from you? And what are cool. you excited about coming up next? One oh, thing, Sean, one thing. You... Yeah, yes, one, one th- before. Sorry, I don't mean to gate crash yeah. your your podcast. No, go, but, ahead, go uh, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Who are the authors? Do we want to okay. do that now, or do we want to wait till we're all the way through the season? Oh, uh, we well, mm, we we probably should we probably should do it now because I think people were may have been expecting to hear it on this episode. Okay, okay, I, I'm cold blooded enough. I would have made them wait till the next episode. But go ahead, Josh. Uh, so, Edric, 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 man, <laughs> I'm not. This is non-alcoholic beer. Exit it's, it's strategies. It's ambiguity. It's it's it's, it's ambiguity. Yeah, yeah ambiguity. Your speech uh, is very ambiguous. That's true. Uh, John Scalzi wrote that. Uh, bad traveling was Neil Asher. Um, and coincidentally, I'll pimp my own show. If you want more information on bad traveling and Mason's rats, I've got two episodes with Neil Asher, one from this last Monday, and then like three weeks ago, I had him on the show. Really great guy, and a lot of insight into those stories. Um, the yeah, very I watched cult- both of those. I, I second that nomination. Those are those are both very interesting interviews. Yeah. He's uh, a fun I'll guy. Link, I'll link to those in the liner notes below. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, cool. Thanks. Uh, the very pul- pulse of the machine was written by Michael Swanwick or Swanwick, and then oh, okay. uh, yeah. Night of the Mini Dead was Jeff Fowler and Tim Miller. Tim Miller, uh, you all know him better from Deadpool, probably. Mm. Really? Yeah. The first Interesting. one. Interesting. That makes it that 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 tracks. Yeah. I think so. I think it's yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh definitely check these guys out on their ch- YouTube channels. So Josh Hayes is a member of Keystroke Medium. Uh he does great work about genre fiction over there uh multiple times a week. I know what your schedule is. Uh Sean Patrick Hazlitt has uh Through a Glass Darkly. It's a great channel that covers geopolitics. Uh, the paranormal and uh, also genre to a certain extent. Great channel. Recommend them both. Uh, again, uh, Sean, anything before I, before I get into the outro, we're good. We're good. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're good. Uh, <laughs> uh, Josh, what's going on uh, in your writing life? What's out now that people can grab and what are you excited about in the near future? Uh, okay. So uh, I'm working on uh, the first book in my new weaponized trilogy. Um, I, I was about three quarters of the way through it uh, two weeks ago and then just realized that that wasn't working. And so I had to delete 40,000 words and then restart. And so now I'm about halfway through um, and that'll be out uh, later on this fall. Um, My uh, series Tranquility is um, finished. Uh, books one and two are out. The third book is in edits right now, and that should be out here in the next month or so. Um, and then I'm excited about um, writing a fantasy book that hopefully will get picked up by Bain later on this year. Um, and um, it's a standalone that may or may not lead into a trilogy after that. But I, fantasy is I, I make all my bones on mill sci-fi and I'm, I'm very successful at it, but I really, really, that's where my heart is in fantasy. And so I'm really excited to step into that arena and write in that. 
cool. You know, a Bane trilogy is actually five books, right? You're, you're aware of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, actually, I found that out by accident because I absolutely love the saga of the Forgotten Warrior. And I thought that that tr was a trilogy. And I got to the end of book three. And I'm like, like five pages from the end of book three. And I'm like, this is not... This is not over. And then I, <laughs> I finished and I was like, what the hell is this? And I had to go. I didn't know I had to go into Wikipedia and I was like, there's two more. Yeah. So then I, when I saw Larry in uh, Vegas, I, yeah. I said, Larry, I got to. This is what I think is happening. Tell me if I'm right or not. And he said, you're super close. You're you're super close. The only person that got it right was Jim Butcher so far. So I, I absolutely <laughs> love that series. Nice, nice. Sean, what's going on in your world? What's out now that people can uh, read your, your work or your editing? Sean's a very accomplished editor of anthologies. Uh, and what's coming up next that you're really excited about? So I currently have two anthologies out, Weird World War Three and Weird World War Four. I'm working on Weird World War Three China. So mm. in the middle of that, I'm also working on a book called or tentatively titled Wormwood Down which is, uh, think of it, it's kind of like a weird World War III novel, actually. Uh, think about the, the Xenophon's 10,000 uh, meets, meets World War III. And that's, so alien craft crash lands in the Russian Far East. A Delta Force, or CAG, whatever you want to call them, has to, is deployed to recover it. And the Chinese also invade Russia to, to attempt to get it. And... Uh, you know, obviously things don't don't all go to plan, and they have to fight their way back home. So that's that's what I'm working on there. And then, of course, the YouTube channel. So definitely check out through a glass darkly. Oh, the other two things, I have a story that's in Robo Soldiers called Manchurian, that uh, hopefully is uh, hopefully is nom nominated for Nebula consideration in the novelette category. There aren't a lot there aren't a lot of novelettes in that area, so. Definitely check that out. And then I have another story called They Only Dig at Night that comes out in World's, uh, what is it, uh, World's Long Lost that comes out in Bain, uh, from Bain in December. So that's what I'm working on. Very exciting. Very cool. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much for your commentary on this. We'll be uh, linking up together soon to go over the uh, other half of season three of Love, Death, and Robots. That's all the time we have for the Lauren Valor podcast tonight. Uh, hope to see you next time. If you've enjoyed our content, please consider liking, subscribing, ringing a bell, uh, leaving a comment below. If I was, I did not look this up. So if uh, I said anything wrong, please come at me in the comments and we'll talk about that. Um, and if you're listening to this on audio, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on your podcast venue of choice. See you next time. And until then, keep up the fire.